Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Making the Case for Novel LDLC Lowering Therapies in Management of Pediatric and Adult Homozygous Familial Hypercholesterolemia. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, Incorporated. Hi, I'm Pam Taub. I'm a cardiologist and professor of medicine at the University of California, San Diego in La Jolla, California. Today, we're going to be reviewing two case studies and discussing the importance of early diagnosis and treatment of homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. Let's start with the patient case. Let's meet patient LJ, who is 10 years old, and he presents to his primary care provider about a month ago with complaints of bumps on his Achilles tendon, and his parents note that he has a ring around the colored part of his eye. His family history is notable for both parents with high cholesterol, and they both take statins. His maternal grandmother died at age 48 after a myocardial infarction, and his laboratory data is notable for an elevated LDL cholesterol of 520 milligrams per deciliter. Based on these findings, his primary care provider referred him to a cardiologist. But before we delve into homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, let's just talk in general about familial hypercholesterolemia. It is the most common autosomal dominant cardiovascular genetic disorder, and genetic mutations impair cholesterol clearance, resulting in extremely high circulating levels of LDL cholesterol. And there are two types. The heterozygous variant is characterized by an LDL-C greater than 190, and that is untreated. And the homozygous variant, which is what LJ has, is characterized by an untreated LDL cholesterol greater than 400. The prevalence of familial hypercholesterolemia varies widely. The heterozygous form of the disease is much more common. And the global prevalence of heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia is estimated to be about 1 in 250 in the general population, whereas the prevalence of homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia ranges from between 1 in 160,000 to 1 in 300,000 individuals in the general population. When we look at the differences between heterozygous and homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, it varies in that homozygous FH, there are two genes involved, versus in heterozygous FH, there is one gene involved. And in terms of the age of diagnosis, typically homozygous FH is diagnosed in childhood, whereas heterozygous FH is diagnosed later between age 30 and 60 years. Patients with homozygous FH have little to no functioning LDL receptor, so they have poor response to drug therapy, whereas patients with heterozygous FH respond to most types of drug therapy for LDL lowering. When we think about screening considerations in patients with familial hypercholesterolemia, early diagnosis and treatment is critical 
to reduce atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and associated manifestations. Children with a strong family history of early onset CVD should be monitored starting at two years of age. The LDLC target should be less than 115 milligrams per deciliter. And cascade screening is highly recommended to identify other family members at risk. In conclusion, clinicians who see patients with very high LDL cholesterol levels should investigate the patient for homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. And children with known family history of hypercholesterolemia or CVD should be screened as young as age two. Next, let's discuss considerations for our patient LJ. Next, we'll review the treatment options for LJ. For LJ, the diagnosis of homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia was confirmed based on his physical exam, LDL level, and genetic testing. In terms of next steps, we need to discuss cascade screening with his family. We need to set an LDLC goal of less than 115 milligrams per deciliter. Then we'll review treatment options and recommend lifestyle modifications. When we look at the guidelines for the management of homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, for patients who fall under the umbrella of primary prevention and who are adults, the LDL goal is less than 70 milligrams per deciliter. For children such as LJ, the LDL goal is less than 115 milligrams per deciliter. And in patients who have atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease or major atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk factors, the LDL goal is lower at less than 55 milligrams per deciliter. In terms of how we manage these patients, it is a stepwise process, and we add multiple agents. And after we add a different agent, we need to be reassessing the LDL level. So we typically will start with high-intensity statins and titrate to the maximally tolerated statin dose. After that, if the LDL is not at goal, which it usually is not, we'll add other agents such as azetamibe and PCSK9 inhibitors. After adding multiple agents, we again need to reassess the LDL level. And this is where we can do some of the newer agents, such as evanocumab or lamidipide. For some patients, LDL apheresis is also an option. Now let's look at the different classes of drugs that can be used to treat these patients. Many of these agents exert their effects through the LDL receptor, so you do need some functioning LDL receptor for these drugs to work. So for instance, statins inhibit cholesterol synthesis in the liver and increase LDL receptor expression. Azetamibe blocks the intestinal absorption of cholesterol and also increases LDL receptor expression. Bempidoic acid acts in a similar mechanism to statins and inhibits cholesterol synthesis and also increases LDL receptor expression. PCSK9 inhibitors block the PCSK9 protein, which prematurely degrades the LDL receptor. So all of these agents do need some functioning LDL receptor to exert their effect. We now also have drug classes that are LDL receptor independent, and that includes the angiopoietin-like three inhibitors 
and the microsomal triglyceride transfer protein, MTP inhibitor. And these classes of drugs are important because they can be used in patients with homozygous FH that have little to no LDL receptor. Another option that we have for patients with homozygous FH is LDL apheresis. And this is a procedure in which LDL is removed from the blood. So based on our current understanding of homozygous FH, it's evident that we need to have treatment options with different mechanism of actions. Now let's take a look at some of the efficacy data for these therapies. Let's review some of the recent data on the effectiveness of these novel therapies. Let's get back to our patient LJ, who has the diagnosis of homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia confirmed by genetic testing. He was initially started on a high-intensity statin, resuvastatin 40 milligrams daily, and also had lifestyle modifications instituted. However, his repeat lipid panel shows an LDL of 416, which is only a 20% reduction from his baseline of 520. He was then started on azetamibe 10 milligrams daily. After initiation of azetamibe, his LDL-C decreased by another 15% to 353, and it's still significantly elevated and not at our goal. So we saw with patient LJ that statins reduce LDL 10 to 25%. Azetamibe gives us another 10 to 15% LDL reduction. And PCSK9 inhibitors such as evolocumab and alirocumab can give us a 21 to 31% reduction in LDL. We also have the LDL receptor independent therapies such as lamidipide that can give us a 33 to 60% reduction in LDL. We also have evanocumab that on average gives us about a 50% reduction in LDL. And we also have LDL apheresis, which is gonna give us a 50 to 75% reduction in LDL levels. When we look at the data from lamidipide in patients with homozygous FH, we see that there's a 50% reduction of LDL at 26 weeks, and there is a sustained reduction of 45%. We also see with evanocumab that there is a significant LDL reduction of about 49% in patients with homozygous FH compared to placebo. And what's also very nice to see is an patients who have no LDL receptor, so those are the null, null patients, that there is still an effect of evanocumab. We also now have data not only in adults, but also in adolescents on the long-term efficacy of evanocumab in patients with homozygous FH. There's a lot of new emerging therapies for familial hypercholesterolemia, and that includes agents that act on small interfering RNA and also monoclonal antibodies. The efficacy data for the non-LDL-dependent therapies is positive, especially when you look at the data in patients with a null-null mutation. And these are patients that have no functioning LDL receptor. But what about safety? Let's discuss that in the next session. So now let's talk about safety concerns that we need to be aware of when treating patients with homozygous FH. 
Let's introduce a new case study to frame this discussion. Let's meet Rachel, who's 25 years old, and she was diagnosed with homozygous FH at age 13. She's been maintained on a regimen of atorvastatin 80 milligrams, 10 milligrams of azetamide, and 140 milligrams of evolocumab sub-Q every two weeks, and she's also receiving weekly LDL apheresis. Her current LDL-C is 150 milligrams per deciliter. But Rachel's starting a new job, and this job involves a lot of travel, so it's going to be very difficult for her to maintain her weekly apheresis schedule. So she'd like to discuss other treatment options, but is concerned about the change and is worried about potential side effects. So let's briefly review some of the safety data. With LDL apheresis, patients can experience hypotension, an allergic reaction, and long-term they can develop mild anemia. And let's not forget some of the practical considerations with LDL apheresis, such as having to come in weekly or biweekly to a treatment center. And we saw in our patient, Rachel, that that can sometimes be logistically difficult. Let's review the safety profile of some of the drugs that we've discussed that are used for the treatment of homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. With statins, we can have musculoskeletal side effects and elevated liver enzymes. With azetamide, we can have some minor GI side effects. With PCSK9 inhibitors, we can have injection site reactions and upper respiratory tract infections. With lamidipide, there can be incidences of GI upset, fatty liver, and transaminitis. And with evanocumab, we can have nasopharyngitis, influenza-like illness, dizziness, and nausea. So that's a snapshot of safety for these pharmacotherapies. Next, let's revisit our patient, Rachel. Let's wrap up the program with a few final thoughts. But first, back to Rachel's story. So Rachel stopped apheresis, and she's currently on a regimen of atorvastatin, azetamide, and evolocumab. But her current LDLC is elevated at 350 milligrams per deciliter. So this is a great time to discuss with her other treatment options and also to review the side effect profile of the different treatment options that are available to her. We've already discussed the LDLC goals, but one thing that's really important to keep in mind is that we will need to use a combination of multiple therapies as well as lifestyle changes to achieve these goals. So early diagnosis and initiation of aggressive treatment is key to decreasing the cumulative lifelong burden of LDL cholesterol. And one of the things that we need to keep in mind and educate our patients about is LDL cholesterol is a toxin. And patients who have homozygous FH have exposure to high levels of toxin since birth. So the earlier that we can diagnose and intervene, the better that we do in preventing future atherosclerotic cardiovascular events in these patients. Some take-home points. Homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia is a rare subtype of FH. We now have a range of effective treatment options to choose from to treat the serious disease. We have agents with a mechanism of action that is not dependent on the LDL receptor and are highly effective. And these include the MTP 
inhibitor lamidipide and the angiopoietin-like 3 inhibitor evanocumab. Continual monitoring of LDL cholesterol and treatment modifications to meet goals can help patients have a great quality and quantity of life. Thank you for listening to this presentation. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.